Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Good morning to you all. Welcome to Half One 2022 results for Tribal Group. Diane is with me as our CFO, and let me begin by uh, welcoming you all. And I'll give you a little brief introduction in Tribal for those less familiar. An overview of the highlights of the half year. Pass over to Diane, who will talk through our financial performance. Uh, I'll come back and talk a little bit about our strategy. So, moving on to a brief reminder then for those less familiar with Tribal, just who we are, what we do. We're an education software and services business. Our main markets in which we operate are higher education, further education across our core markets in the UK, where we have. Uh, around about 65% of the higher education market, and in Australia and in New Zealand, and a growing market presence within uh, Malaysia and Singapore. We also have an education services business focused particularly around quality assurance for schools, for teacher training, uh, which also covers benchmarking of performance of colleges and universities against each other, and also a business that deals with um, surveys of students. You'll see on the right-hand side a reminder of our product sets, as we'll refer to this through the course of the presentation. We have really two product sets. The student management systems, the SMS, really refers to the core student lifecycle products, of which our core product is SITS for higher education and EBS for further education. And then around that, we have our EDGE products. And EDGE is a series of products that are SaaS-based next-generation products that form an ecosystem around SITS, um, such as the recruitment of students through to the admissions of students uh, and around scheduling and timetabling and so on. So if we go on to then the overview and sort of highlights of the half year, overall, the key performance indicator that we look at is our growth in our annual recurring revenue figure, which is the forward-looking bookings figure. And we saw that number grow by 5% in the half year to a record high. As you'll see, they're just under £54 million. So we had good sales success. And in fact, our underlying ARR growth is actually significantly higher than this as we transition from contracts that are sort of pre-SAS into the, the post-SAS world. And we deal with those headwinds as we drive to greater ARR. And our three pillars around which we focus our objectives are shown below. So we have our expanded customer share of wallet as a key growth area. And we saw in there strong sales performance, particularly around our tribal cloud, which is taking our SITS customers and moving them into a managed service cloud proposition. We closed three large deals during the course of H1 and a fourth customer just after the end of H1. We also have seen education services bounce back post COVID, where we had our three largest UK contracts in education services being retendered, and we successfully won all three of those, as well as winning a new contract with the National Tutoring Programme in the UK. The expanded addressable market is really about building out a wider portfolio of products that we can cross-sell into our 
existing customers and also opening new opportunities for us to sell those products. So we've seen a good cross-sell of products such as Semestry and Evio, which we acquired last year, selling into our existing customers. NTU, for example, we've we've just recently sold Semestry into there. And we also have the successful launch of new products such as our tribal data engine, which is bringing that analytics capability into our existing customers. We also look to expand our geographic reach. So we won a new SITS customer in the half year in Vietnam, the British University of Vietnam, further increasing our presence in that part of the world. And we see very specific growth opportunities in Southeast Asia, building on the opportunities that we have already closed in Malaysia and in Singapore. And we'll come back to that a little bit later on. I do need to reference Nanyang Technological University. Diane will talk a little bit more about the numbers there. This was a key contract that we won right at the heart of COVID at the end of uh, 2020 without actually ever having been to the university. And we started implementing at the very beginning of 2021. It's an exciting opportunity for us. It was the largest SITS contract we've ever closed, three to four times the size of similar opportunities we might have seen in the UK. There has, though, been significant cost impact in H1 due to the extension of the project timelines and milestones, which Diane will talk to uh, a little bit later on. So if we move on just to have a look at some of our key wins in the half year. So on the edge side of the product set, we've continued to sell our new SaaS products successfully into our existing customer base. City University, for example, have acquired our semestry product, and we see good opportunities to continue selling those uh, products, as well as For example, the Engage product, our mobile product, which has very successfully been sold into further education colleges, where we have nearly 50 sites, but we're now beginning to penetrate into the higher education market. And we had a key win at King's College London for our existing SITS customer, but for our Engage mobile app. I talked about the four tribal cloud SITS migrations and the customers you see there. We've increased also the velocity in which we are able to go live as we ramp up the team uh, within our tribal cloud. So University of Sunderland, for example, closed the deal at the beginning of January. And by the end of H1, we had successfully gone live there. Just to the right, I referenced the three education services retender contracts, the biggest being NCTM, the National Centre for the Excellence in the Teaching of Mathematics, which is around about £8 million over two years with the opportunity to extend. So a key contract for us, but also the National Tutoring Programme, which is a flagship programme for the government. And we tendered for the quality assurance to ensure then the quality of tutoring. And some of you may have seen that as it was reported on by most national newspapers as a key programme. So with that, I'll pass over to Diane and she will go through the financial performance. Thank you very much, Mark. So on the first slide, I present some of the key financial metrics. So Tribal has had continued positive sales momentum over the first half. Revenue is up 8% to 42.4 million. ARR is up 5% over six months with a 10% CAGR to 53.7 million. And committed income or order backlog is up 6% to 186.5 million. This is with the renewal of two significant DOE contracts, which Mark just mentioned earlier. NCETM, which is 8.7 million over two years, 
and our NPQ contract, which is 6.5 million over four years. Adjusted EBITDA has reduced 22% to 7.1 million due to the impact of those extended timelines of our NTU contract implementation. The drop in EBITDA, combined with 0.7 million of increased costs from our system implementation project, falls through to the standard profit before tax. And this implementation system is to do with an upgrade as part of our Veritas program, just helping us move to a SaaS business model. So this then leads to a statutory basic earnings per share of 0.7 pence. We expect a recovery over half two due to improved margins on our NTU contract, improved operational cost savings within our cloud environments, and then revenues coming through from new sales. Overall, we expect full-year EBITDA to be in line with our board expectations. On the next slide, I'll then break down the performance of our two business segments, SIS and Education Services. SIS has seen a 9% increase in revenues driven by our cloud and edge sales, offset by a decline in other software and services. More details will be given on later slides. However, operating margin drops from 40.7% to 31.8% due to short-term pressure from increased costs on our NTU implementation. On the ES side, we have seen the business recovering post-COVID. Revenues have increased 2%. Last year at half, one had dropped 11%. School inspections are tracking well, in particular with our MPQ and Skills by Rain contracts. And then due to the margin mix of these contracts, our margin percentages are increased to 24.5%, which is up 6.2 percentage points. This means that our overall segment operating margin has dropped from 14.5 to 13 million with a 30.6 margin percentage. On the next slide, we look at CIS ARR in a bit more detail. So overall ARR has grown 4.8%, which is similar to the growth performance in half one last year. As a reminder, ARR is a forward-looking indicator of recurring revenues from our SaaS business, and it looks forward for the next 12 months. So in the bottom left-hand chart, you can see that our growth areas of cloud, edge, and foundation software have together grown 16%. And then looking at it in a bit more detail, the table at the top left shows that we've got stable support and maintenance revenues, Foundation software increasing 25% with our SITS win in BUV, British University of Vietnam, and other EBS and Maytas wins. Cloud services grew 14%, mainly from existing customer migrations that Mark mentioned. So Sunderland University, UCA, Birmingham City, and they're all approximately 0.3 million pounds of ARR each. And Edge grows across multiple product lines. Of particular note is our semestrial products, which have grown 50% organically since our acquisition back in April 2021. This is offset by the continuing decline in our maintenance products, other software and services, which have declined 1.7%. So the growth in the second half of the year is going to be impacted by a previously announced exit of our Australian government contracts, TAFE New South Wales, which is £3 million of ARR. We anticipate this dropping off ARR at the end of FY 2022, and then revenues will be stopping in the second half of FY 2023. The next slide moves on to cover our CIS revenues. Our standard SAS metrics are at the bottom left, and they show a stable performance in both gross and net revenue retention. GRR demonstrates of the customer base at June 2021, 5% of those recurring revenues have been lost through customer downgrades or cancellations, but then an equivalent amount gets upsold to the same customer base at June 21, leaving net revenue retention at a flat 
So moving to the table at the top, overall CIS revenues have increased 9%, with a 13.8% increase in our core products, offset by a 12.2% decline in other software and services. Cloud revenues have increased 32%, with cloud migrations progressing well, and we mentioned some of the key universities there on the right-hand side. Um, edge revenues have increased 63%, benefiting from semester being acquired in April 21. And professional services revenues are higher, with delivery progressing on our largest its contract to date, NTU. As Mark mentioned earlier, we've been impacted by increased costs from longer timescales and then a higher than average use of contractors due to the sheer size of the project. Timescales are longer, partly due to COVID at the beginning of the contract and partly due to change in scope. Also, as discussed at the end of last year, margins are impacted by a changing product mix with a declining revenue in our higher margin other software and services and then lower margins from our cloud and edge products just while we gain scale. The next slide moves on to cash flow. Our net cash from operating activities before tax have been impacted by a lower EBITDA in the first half and a much higher than traditional half one deterioration on working capital. This is mainly due to the delay delivery on our NTU contract, as this then also delays payments coming from completion of project milestones. Tax payments are also higher, mainly due to higher OCs profits, and then investment continues on our edge products with 5.6 million of cash capex. Moving on to deferred consideration, the final payment for semester has now been paid, with only a small amount outstanding for EVIO, which will be paid over 22, second half, and 23. Traditionally in tribal, half one cash flow is always lower, but these higher than normal working capital impacts means we've utilised 7.5 million of our loan facility. As a reminder, we have 10 million pound loan facility, the further 10 million pound accordion available, and also our standard overdraft facilities. By year end, we anticipate the traditional uptick in cash due to the timing of the year, and also payments coming from NTU as some of our project milestones we met. However, we still expect a small net debt position at the year end. My last slide is on product development. Our capitalized product development spend has increased to 5.4 million as we continue to develop our edge product set. And we are especially looking forward to our very first admissions customer going live in the second half of this year. We have stable levels of edge development costs being expensed through the P&L, with our sales team highly focused on returning and maximizing margins from these products, such as Engage and Semestry, and they naturally complement our other software solutions. So I'll now hand back to Mark, who will talk some more about our product strategy. Over to you, Mark. Great. Thank you very much, Diane. This slide speaks to really what the universities are thinking about as regards the product set that, that we are discussing with the universities. The top line really is talking about the student management system and the bottom is with the non-SMS specific, the broader sort of edge products. So in the top, you know, what we see is universities fundamentally looking at their student management system and saying, is this fit for purpose, right? And if it's not going out to market. And what we do see is a steady flow of universities that are looking to go out to market for new student management systems. And I think the key thing here is that SITS, which is established mature technology, is still the leading product in its markets. And we continue to tender for new SITS opportunities. Those customers that have SITS 
then they're saying, okay, we have a good student management system, but we don't necessarily want to manage it. We want it to be as a service in the public cloud. And all the customers we speak to are looking at how they bring cloud into their uh, student management systems and into their other products. So I would say every university will end up having their system in the cloud in due course over time. And that's why we see good opportunities for tribal cloud moving forward. The bottom then speaks to you know, the improved student experience. And this really starts with the first inquiry from a student right the way through applications and admissions through the life cycle to alumni. Most universities we see are addressing the overall student experience using a low-code, no-code platform like Microsoft Dynamics. And of course, we have solutions that are based upon that platform. Our marketing and recruitment and our student support and well-being products are specific Dynamics products. But a specific part of it also is about the admissions process. And we're building that next generation admissions product where we have four early adopters at the moment. We are are going to go live with the first one, Edith Cowan University in Western Australia, later on um, this uh, this year. So this pre-enrollment piece is critical to student experience. Then the universities are looking at their overall system efficiency and how they improve the way their systems talk to each other, modernizing the integrations of their system, looking to make a composable ecosystem. In other words, taking sort of core standard as a service SaaS products and creating their own uh, ecosystem. And we are working to make SITs uh, easier to form part of that overall system uh, and the API layer that sits over SITs. So that's a core area that we that we look at. So if we take on the next slide a specific example of opportunities that we have. So NTU, Nanyang Technological University in Singapore, we have talked about. Important to uh, look at the overall project in the round. NTU are an ambitious, aspirational university climbing up the world rankings. And they set about this transformational project of which all of our products are core. So this is SITS with all of our edge products operating around the core of the student lifecycle product. We have a very strong partnership relationship with NTU. And what we have achieved through the project has been from a product perspective, very much an understanding of the local drivers, understanding of the government drivers around ongoing lifelong learning for students, uh, the localization of our products ready for that overall Singapore market. Uh, And what we see is a significant number of opportunities, specifically in Singapore, but in the broader region, including Hong Kong, of universities and polytechnics that are likely to come to market in the next three to four years for new student management systems and for us an edge portfolio of products. And we feel we are in a a strong position to secure a number of those contracts simply by the experience that we have gained from the NTU contract. So we will continue to invest in that region. We already have our global delivery center for professional services with 30 headcount already in Kuala Lumpur, just up the road. That will continue to grow as we 
offshore and standardize our, our professional services uh, offerings. Um, but also within Singapore itself, we will we will start to grow our team in order to uh, look to secure some of those opportunities. So if we then have a look at the overall sort of product investment strategy, you know, on the core student management side, as I say, we see strong SITS opportunities, particularly in the region I've just been talking about. We see good cloud opportunities as well for many of those customers yet to actually make that move into the tribal cloud. What we also see with these larger contracts such as NTU is the ability to deliver and develop further offerings, advanced customer services around actually supporting the configuration, the integration, supporting the complete system, so precluding the university from needing specific skills in-house. So that will help drive the annual recurring revenues that we see from the individual universities. So on the Edge SaaS products, we continue to see good sales. I talked about the Engage Mobile with over 50 customers. Semestry, uh, which we acquired last year, has now around about 40 customers, and we've seen a 50% growth in ARR from the point where it was acquired about 15 months or so ago with a good pipeline of opportunities. And we have now something approaching 50 Dynamics customers, predominantly on our marketing, recruitment, and student support and well-being products. I mentioned the core admissions module. This is a core product for us that we are in the process of developing, and we have these four early adopters. This is critical in terms of the student experience, and we've had a significant amount of interest coming from our existing customers to drive the adoption of admissions. So when we look at our future edge investment, first of all, we are focusing very much on driving sales of our existing edge products and making sure they are in a position where we can maximize the immediate sales. We have a new product, which we've recently brought to market, the Tribal Data Engine. This is very much for advanced reporting on SITs, but also to help customers uh, start working with analytics, not only with SITs, but bringing in the data from systems they have into a pool of data on which then they can drive their own analytics. And we're seeing good interest in that. We've already sold that to a number of customers, and that's successfully rolled out. So it does mean then with the products that we have, we are taking the opportunity to review the timing of the market requirements and the priorities for other products because we have such you know, a strong demand for the products that we have already that we want to make sure that we address the current market uh, demand. Uh, and then we'll look at the priorities for the future products as we go. And we're also continuing to pursue appropriate M&A opportunities. They are very much based upon you know, the space in which we operate and adjacent opportunities could be smaller pieces of technology or larger, more mature products that really will enhance our product offerings. But they are specifically in those areas in which we operate and they are specifically around driving SaaS products moving forward. So if we go on to our ESG update, we have three new recent members of our executive board. So the transition to SaaS is much more than a product transition. It really is very much around a new business model with new structures. And critically, it needs to be 
built around customer success. So gone are the days of the more reactive support and maintenance team. That's not a sustainable model for the future. It needs to be a proactive customer success team working with the customer on how they best can consume our products to ensure that we get the maximum uh, retention rate for customers. So I have recently appointed Torfix Sleet into that customer services director role. But we also have a new professional services head, Paul Davis, because from the professional services, we need to move to a more standardized offerings so that we can focus on the easier adoption of cloud or SaaS products as we move forward. Uh, And finally, Matt Davis now has taken the reins of our education services team following the retirement of Janet Tomlinson at the end of last year. And Matt has successfully started his uh, tenure in the role and the National Tutoring Programme was the first sort of win under his leadership. Overall on ESG, it will give you a fuller review at the full year. Really, this is about uh, reiterating our commitment to ESG and particularly highlighting diversity and inclusion, which are fundamental to how we see our business moving forward. We have a number of initiatives to continue to improve our diversity and our inclusion. We regularly measure it. And from the leadership uh, perspective, you know, the tone has to come from the top and that within the executive board, how we're beginning to drive more diversity within the overall team. Overall, on workforce shifts, you'll see a note about inflationary wage pressures. I'm sure you're hearing it from all businesses. We obviously have a lot of people who are technical. A lot of our products are based around Microsoft stack. And so from the Azure dynamics areas, these are skills that are in demand. We see some increased attrition, the similar inflationary wage pressures that others will be facing. How we mitigate that in part is that we are seeing that growth of our global delivery center and looking to make sure that we take the opportunity to offshore um, a number of our roles. So moving on to our overall outlook to finish off. First of all, we see a continuing growth of ARRs. We drive towards our previously stated 2025 target. We do see some headwinds that we have to get through as we transition from the previous model into a SaaS-based model. In particular, uh, we reference way back in our 2016 and 2017 accounts that the New South Wales government will be implementing a new cloud-based solution for their TAFEs, and it's taken more than six years for them to select and implement, but we do expect them to be live on a new product by H2 of 2023. So on that basis, we feel it appropriate to take that part out of our uh, ARR in H2 2022. We are seeing, as I pointed out, an expanded market opportunity, significant opportunity we feel in Southeast Asia and opportunities due to the broader portfolio of products that we have been bringing to market over the course of the last few years or so. Uh, and we are seeing a good growth rate of those new products uh, and the maturity of our edge products. We have a strong business model, which is really about rebalancing that revenue towards the SaaS business. We have a new target operating model with executives, as I've just been talking about, who are really focused on the areas of the business that will drive to those SaaS capabilities. Uh, Overall, our outlook uh, remains 
positive, unchanged for the full year. Notwithstanding, Diane has talked about the temporary uh, margin impact in H1 due to our major project, but our recovery is expected in H2. So thank you all for attending. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.